You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated Fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. Everyone's fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 275. I am your host, Mark Allred. I am here with fellow BNG co-host Dom Tiano. Dom, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, thanks, Mark. How about yourself? Doing good. Overworked and a little bit tired, but I, I'm always up for talking Boston Bruins hockey with you, sir. Also yeah, joining I mean... us, also joining us as usual, is Mr. Kevin O'Keefe down at the bottom. Kevin, what's up, my friend? Uh, about the same as you. Tired, worked, beat, just ready to uh, be done with the week and talk some hockey with you boys. Yeah, well, you must be tired because that beautiful home in the background must be a lot to pay for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got. I gotta say, Kevin, um, 
you should have an organ back there instead of a piano so you could at least play some hockey music in between uh uh whistles while watching a game you know yeah i agree that's freaking funny all right um before we get into all the boston Bruin hockey talk uh let's hear from our show sponsor betonline.ag Our partners at betonline.ag continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the start of the Major League Baseball season is finally here. Betonline.ag is a continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head over to the betonline.ag official website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag. It's where the game starts. All right, we just heard myself, as usual, talk about betonline.ag. Fantastic website for all your wagering needs. Please use that code CLNS50. There's a lot of uh, uh, big sports coming up. We still got hockey, golf, basketball, tons of stuff to bet on. Use that code, please. It certainly helps us out. All right, um, before we start to talk about the Boston Bruins, I do want to address two uh, passings uh, this past week. the former Boston Bruins, uh, Tom McCarthy, passed away at 61 years old from open heart surgery uh, that he had down in Mexico. Uh, so thoughts and prayers to uh, his family and friends. Um, obviously, former Bruin, we got to give a shout out for that. Um, and uh, obviously, Mike Bossy, uh, an NHL star back in the day, four-time Stanley Cup winner with the New York Islanders. Um, the... the unbelievable goal scorer. I think he had nine fifty goal seasons, which is absolutely crazy. So um, thoughts and prayers go out to the bossy family and his friends. Um, just a, a quick, something quick. Uh, McCarthy played 75 games in the Boston Bruins after he was traded from the Minnesota North stars in May of 1986 with Boston. He got 32 goals, 34 assists, 66 points. And Mike Bossy, four-time Stanley Cup champion with the Islanders in his 10-year career, all on the island. Uh, the first-round selection in 1977 posted 573 goals, 553 assists, uh, uh, 1,126 points in 752 career games. That Those are sick numbers right there, man. Mm. Just an unbelievable uh, elite goal scorer uh, during that time. So um, um, thoughts and prayers to both uh, – family members out there and friends, obviously, to both uh, hockey players. All right. With that sad news, uh, moving on. Um, we <laughs> we got playoff hockey coming to us, and, and, and it's about time, to be honest with you. Um, with yesterday's 2-1 to one victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins, We've secured a spot in the um, in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs, and and it's been three strikes basically because I posted uh, something on Twitter like today's a night to uh, to secure a postseason berth, and and it didn't happen. But obviously, yesterday afternoon against the Penguins, a, a really good Penguins team uh, that came into the TD Garden yesterday, um, you know, we got it done. So um, thoughts on like the 
the whole season leading up to this point, it's been an up and down roller coaster ride. I get it, but uh, we're finally here. Dom, so why don't you go first, bud? You know, to me, it was just a mathematical thing. I think that the actual playoff spot was technically secured a while ago. But, um, you know, now that it's mathematically done, uh, it's time that they work on some things that they really, really need to work on. Like their pup management at times is absolutely um, invisible. I'll be polite and use the word invisible. Um, The power play has been horrendous. I realized that missing uh, David Pasternak there is taking the way, uh, uh, away the option of the shot threat from that uh, left side. Um, you know, uh, Cassidy has tried everything from taking McAvoy off to uh, PP1 and putting Grizzlick there uh, for the left shot. Uh, uh, to putting DeBrusque on PP1 as the net front presence. I believe he even tried Felino there. He tried Coyle there. (coughs) Nothing seems to be working. Um, Personally, I were up to me, and I'm not an NHL coach, so curious to what you guys think about this, is that I would have put Craig Smith in the Pasternak spot. He's a threat to shoot. It's not a Pasternak-type shot, but um, next to – no, I think he's even better than Pasternak. Yeah, he is, if I remember correctly. He's actually better than Pasternak at at getting the shots on target, and that's what you need is that threat with the ability to get the shot through for – if you have, say, Jake DeBrusque in the net, net front position to make that position work. So curious what you guys think about that. Kevin, go um, ahead, bud. I mean, I agree. I think I think putting him there, it gives you the best chance at a volume shooter from that position where he can get the puck on net. He can also do things as far as, like you said, I mean, he's, he's pretty accurate with it too. So if he can lay it off of the pad and a guy like Jake DeBrusque is there or maybe um, another guy like Eric Halla who's really good at banging the puck in, or, in and around the net in the dirty areas, I mean, it, it could be something that could work for sure. Um, another thing I think they should try with that power play, and I'm also curious to know what you guys would think about this, is to put Mike Riley in there and see what he can do. He's really good at being able to work the puck around the zone, um, you know, make plays. I, I think he's got, I think he's got a good amount of offensive talent in him to be able to make that work. Um, I mean, and with the amount of games they have left and mathematically securing a playoff spot, why not see what you may have there? Yeah, that's a valid point. Um, yeah, the, the power play is a little bit of concerning for me, obviously. Um, and it's been frustrating in the past couple of games because we're seeing a lot more passes um, than shots, to be honest with you. And, I, and I've always called it the Hoosier syndrome when you just I think you're overpassing and you're not taking uh, an appropriate opportunity just to get the puck on net and create, you know, secondary chances, whether it be a goal or uh, or a rebound to a, uh, to a player that's out front creating havoc. 
Um, just got to get the pucks on net. And I like the idea of that Smith um, up there, Dom. Uh, somebody that's going to constantly just take the puck and shoot. He's got high percentages on um, on a release in the puck whenever he basically gets it. And he can be a, like a bulldog too uh, along the board. So I like that idea. The Riley thing is interesting to me too because you're basically setting him up to be the quarterback, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So and Riley's got some good mobility and so on. And I know he's got some good vision on getting things through, but – his puck handling to me and, and turnovers could be kind of a concern moving forward with, with, with that particular idea. And I'm not poo-pooing uh, the idea at all, Kevin. Uh, just it, I would, ha- I would much rather have somebody in that position, uh, especially quarterbacking along the power, uh, the blue line um, to be a little more defensive prowess and, and, and be uh, more ready for a turnover. And I don't think that's the right player to put there. That's just my opinion, of course. And, and right. I'm basically just shooting from the hip of what I'm talking about. But, um, you know, to me, uh, I would rather have th- that responsibility to like a McAvoy, you know, but that's just me, though. And even and even then with McAvoy there, we're still seeing these two on one, you know, or these breakaways happening on the power play. It's That's almost valid. like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. It's it's pretty insane. I mean, you could try Lindholm there too. He has some offensive game to him. Um, you know, once he's back healthy, of course. But um, I don't know what they're gonna do with that power play because it's so strange when you have a guy like McAvoy who is, you know, he's exploding offensively. He really is. Maybe not um to the level of like a an Eric Carlson in his Norris year, but He's putting up good offensive numbers. He definitely, you know, he has that defensive side of him too, where if he's working the blue line, he can get back. And you have other players there, and uh, uh, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Taylor Hall, and uh, David Pasternak. I don't know how it doesn't work. It's just really strange to me. A couple of things. Uh, Mark's concerned about the passing. I don't think they're overpassing. I think it's the lack of mobility when they do have possession. And and that the opposition is closing lanes because of that lack of movement in the power play, that they're not getting the passes through. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, those passes were clicking, and today they're not. And, again, it comes down to that threat of, of the shot from Pasternak, whether he's up high at the point or, or down at the, on, at the left base-off circle. I think with McAvoy there, you don't have the threat of a shot from the point because um, let's just face it, he doesn't have a power play shot, which is why I kind of like the idea of Riley because Riley can shoot the puck, believe it or not, and he can shoot it with accuracy. Um, And, you know, he not only can he walk the blue line, but he can – he can circle the offensive zone. And I think that's what Kevin was to alluding to his ability to move around. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I, I don't see a, a quick fix uh, with the group that's out there with, and, and here's the thing. If they don't get Pasternak sooner back sooner, rather than later, how, how do I put Lindholm and Pasternak are the type of players that, you know, they're at that elite level. They can come back and get to top speed um, 
right away. They don't need to go find chemistry with with players, okay? It's going to be easier for Lindholm because he'll have Charlie McAvoy there. And they've already shown great uh, chemistry. So uh, it'll be easier for him to get back to top level. But Pasternak, man, when it comes to that shot uh, off the elbow on the power play, it's all about timing. That shot is all about timing, timing uh, contact precisely, timing release precisely. Um, and it's going to take some time for him to get in there. It's not going to happen day one. And uh, that's my concern with Pasternak missing any more time. So that's um, kind of a good segue into um, the next topic that we have is just kind of a Bruins injury update. Um you know, obviously, we talked about Hampus Lindholm. He's got a lower body. Could could be back on 419, which is the game against the St. Louis Blues. That's just going by CBS Sports on the website. Uh, nothing official. Um, but um, And uh, David Pasenak is in undis- undisclosed what he's going to um, uh, possibly come back. He, it is a day-to-day uh, as listed per CBS. And um, obviously, uh, Linnaeus Allmark. Um, an upper body injury, uh, took a shot to the head, uh, very weird ricochet, uh, and, you know, hopefully he's okay and so on, but he's expected to be back on the same day, Tuesday against the Blues, but that's per the CBS uh, website again. Um, uh, but- Mark, uh, a quick thing about those sites that lead that list possible returns. You'll find this with Puckpedia or, or any of those sites. When a player is listed as day-to-day, they're, they're always listed as possibly for return as their next game. Oh, okay. So I didn't it, know that. It, it, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Okay. I, I think if you look at Pugpedia, for example, um, Pasternak has been available possibly for the next game for the last two weeks. So, um it's all based on what they're they're listed as being out as, and because we know teams are not at this time of year, teams are not putting that information out there. So yeah, that's well, how that works. No, that's valid because on the website, if you look at Jakob's Borrell, his his return is until September fifteenth. <laughs> right. So I I understand what you're saying. Thank you for the clarification, though, Dom. I appreciate that. I th- I think it's I I. I think when it comes to these injuries, I think they are injuries where if this was the playoffs right now, they'd be in for sure. That That's just what I think. Um, when it comes down to right now, I think they are trying to get them as close to 100% as possible without, with, without having them miss too much time, if that, if that makes sense. I feel like that's where they're at. Well – well, the reason why I brought this topic up in this injury update is um, the recent news that came out yesterday, I believe, from uh, Bruce Cassidy, one of his pressers, was that these players are not, especially Lindholm, these players are not, um, I'm sorry, uh, especially for um, the goaltender Allmark, uh, Pasternak and Lindholm are not being rested to prepare for the 
to the playoffs. Correct. They are legitimately have injuries that they're working their way through. Because a lot of people, uh, a lot of fans out there are speculating that the Boston Bruins are doing the right thing by not playing them because they want to get them fresh and ready for the playoffs. So I just no. kind of a clarification there as well. Yeah, that's not it at all. They they legitimately have injuries, and at this at this stage where they're mathematically, you know, in it. I mean, maybe even if they weren't mathematically in it, maybe they'd still be out. But I don't think it's I don't think it's extremely serious to where there's a chance that neither one of these players will be suiting up for game one. All what right. do you think, Dom? Yeah, I I agree. It's it's look they. For the last two weeks, they weren't mathematically clinched, and they didn't rush them into the lineup. Um, You know, uh, they had opportunities to overtake uh, Tampa and put distance between themselves and Tampa with uh, games against Detroit and Ottawa, and they didn't play them. So um, it's about, like you said, getting them as close to 100% healthy as possible and they'll get them in the lineup as soon as they can. And there's another player too. I think we should touch upon when it comes to this injury stuff, even though he just came back and that's Grizzly. It looks like he's been nursing something um, for Quite most of the season here. Yeah. And I don't think this is something that is a quick fix that he just needs rest and it's going to go away. I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be something that he's going to have to address in the off season. So I think going up the stretch here, he's going to be the player that gets probably some of the most rest, I think, once they get closer to the playoffs. Um, I, I think you could probably see him not play maybe like three or four games here. That's just my opinion. Yeah, of, of the seven games remaining, I could definitely see a player like Jack Ashan getting some time in here to rest up for that uh, for Matt Grizzlick and so on. Kind of a yeah. – you know, uh, there's a little bit of a size difference there, but kind of they 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 kind of seem like almost the same player. And and how the Boston Bruins um, use them, uh, the undersized defensemen and so on. So it's kind of um, it's not a bad idea to take Grizz out and get Ashan uh, some uh, some time. And obviously, he's going to be a black ace uh, moving into the playoffs. But um, yeah, I could see that move actually happening and working out to a pretty good benefit for both, both right, sides. Right. Disagree. Totally, oh. totally disagree. Jack Sean is not going to see playoff ice for the Bruins if Matt Grizzlick is in the lineup. No, I don't think that's, that's what he was saying. No, no, I wasn't saying no. But, but do you play Jack Sean now over Matt Grizzlick, or do you get the guys that are going to go into battle with you in actual playoff games and trying to get the chemistry between a Brown and a Riley or a Forbert and a Riley or a Clifton or uh Forbert, the ice time that is needed. Uh, and I think you go with the latter. You don't put in a player uh, to. Okay. I get what you're saying now. You're yeah. saying they're not going to play a Sean because they have plenty of other guys over him who should be getting that time if they were to sit Grizzly. Right, because okay. the, let's 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 remember the, what what the absence of Lindholm has done, besides hurting McAvoy's offensive numbers, uh, is that it hasn't allowed the other the other two pairs to form that cohesiveness that they've needed, um, and. To all of a sudden take Matty Grizzlick out 
and put Jack and Sean in, you've now doubled the, the 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 lack of the opportunity to to try and form that cohesiveness with the other guys. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that, that does sense. make some so much more sense once you once you explained it, guys. I totally forgot about the uh, you know the the seven, eight, nine uh, defensemen that are currently on the team that, you know, need some time too. Um, yeah. I was just thinking like offensively how much of a, um, you know, kind of a an upgrade it would be, but I, I do understand that the, uh, you go with the experienced guys. And, and no, you that's, know. That's just my opinion. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but if, right. if it were me running the show, no way. Jack, Jack Ashan does not come in as an experiment um with half a dozen games left in the season when you've got eight other defensemen you've got to try and get what you can see what you have in mm-hmm. because Sean is not going to play a playoff game unless Grizzlick is injured Riley is injured um possibly Clifton is injured and uh Lindholm doesn't come back and, and this Grizzlick injury um, that he's been dealing with just completely furthers the notion that I've been on a tangent about since the beginning of the season about needing a left-shot defenseman who could play in the top four to come in for your team because there is no way in hell that Matty Grizzlick was going to be able to um, withstand top-pairing minutes with Charlie McAvoy all the way to a cup final. There was absolutely no way in hell. Yeah. That's just where I'm at. Well, especially with the addition of Lindholm. <laughs> yeah. Now you bring in Lindholm and um, I mean, anyone can get hurt, of course. You know, I just think that Grizzly has more of a chance of getting hurt than others. All right. Um, moving on to the next topic. Um, Brad, uh, Bruins Brad Moshan has been on the ice lately, but. Uh, a little bit, a bit of a different disappearance offensively. Um, we got to get him moving a little bit. He's there's something going on with him that I'm seeing. I'm seeing a more of an, uh, an aggressive game and so on. And I don't think that anything that that hit that hip check, whatever that was, it wasn't knee on knee the other night uh, when everybody was basically outside of Boston calling for a suspension. Um, but Brad's been a little bit of a, a no-show lately on the score sheet. Is that somewhat concerning to you guys moving forward to the postseason? Not for me. Not I, for I, me either. I, that, that guy's a playoff guy. He He's going to be there. He's going to come through in the playoffs. So I'm not too worried. Um, I mean, and just going back to like slumps and stuff, if you want to look at it, the Boston Bruins team in 2013 who went to the cup finals, um, I think they lost like seven of the last nine games, um, you know, before the playoffs going into playing uh, the Maple Leafs round one. Uh, you know, I mean, I understand it's a completely different team and all that, but I mean, it's, I, I don't to put too much stock into what's going on with a player or a team, um, you know, leading right into uh, the, the playoff run. I think uh, sometimes players might just be conserving energy at this point. You never know. Um, but I think Marshan's going to be absolutely fine. Yeah, me too. If, if, if there's one player I do not have a concern about on the 24, 25-man roster right now, it's Brad Marshan. Absolutely none, because 
that guy always finds a way to do what he needs to do. Yeah, I just I just thought that, you know, him not, <clears throat> you know, putting the goals in and so on. Obviously, he's trying and so on. I'm not saying he's not. It's just, you know, we got to have our scoring, you know, our, 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 our leaders that can put the puck in the net, just do it more often. But, oh, yeah, like you said, the playoffs are a different story. People get uh, amped up for that in their own different way. And, um, you know, anything could possibly happen. So. There's one player. There's one player that I am a bit worried about going into playoffs, though, and that player is Trent Frederick. Not, not for the style that he can play, because he can play a heavy style of game, which will be good and translate well for the playoffs. But the mistakes that he can be prone to make uh, that can be very costly the penalties that he at times can be very prone to take bad ones that are completely unneeded. And, um, you know, just being able to contribute effectively on that awesome third line that we've all um, come to love. I mean, he, he doesn't really have the playoff experience there. So that's one player I'm definitely going to be watching um, in the playoffs this year to see what's going on with him. I liked, I like Trent. I'm a big Trent guy and hopefully he can, you know, get it all together. I know I he does make some stupid penalties and so on. He puts his his team at a disadvantage. You know, it happened the other day. Um, so, but you need players like him, that grittiness, and and yep. you know, he can provide some offensive skills too when when needed. We've seen that recently. His game is really you know elevated a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'm not worried. It- about- I'm not worried about Trent, but I, I, I do don't want to see him make those stupid mistakes in a playoff game because yep. that's when the hammer will come down on social media and everybody would be back on the hate train again. Yeah, I like Freddie a lot, and I'm, I'm definitely rooting for his success here in the playoffs. But if we're playing a, a team like Toronto round one and he's taking dumb penalties, that is going to bury us. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, Cassidy sent him the message, and I think the message was – was received i'm not as worried about it let's put it this way i'd be more worried if cassidy didn't send that message than i am today Hmm. all right um hey the boston bruins locked up oscar steen for two more seasons the the, uh, contract kicks in officially next year Uh, he's still on his uh, entry-level deal right now um what are your thoughts on this signing and and uh, Steen's future, because um, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up is is because of, of the contract. It's not a two-way. You can't stash them in the, in the minor pros anymore. Uh, this is you, you make the team or, or else, basically, um, kind of mm-hmm. like what they did with Sinitian and so on when they, you know, um, got, got him to the extension, gave him the opportunity to show himself in um, – in uh in the preseason and it didn't work out and and obviously passed through the waiver process um i kind of see oscar as as really working hard to to solidify a spot next season but i really don't like the idea of if he doesn't make it he's going to pass through the waiver process and and anybody could take him at that point i kind of um you know giving him away for nothing i hate to see a player like that go but uh, thoughts on this signing moving forward well, I think I would compare him more to the Jakob Zaboro deal than I would the Zach Sinitian deal because uh, Steen is on a one-way where Zaboro or 
like Zaboro was, as opposed to Submission, who was on a two-way. But um, I'm not worried about waivers either because um, depending on what happens with, with Patrice Bergeron, of course, um, let's put it this way, Chris Wagner is not making the NHL roster, so he will be buried. So that puts them at 3, 6, 9, uh, 12, 13, 14 forwards when you include Jack Stadnik as well. You're, you, you've got two question marks, and that is Curtis Lazar and Anton Bleed. Do you keep Curtis Lazar? I mean, I love Curtis Lazar gets a lot of flack from fans, but um, does he? you can't ask Curtis Lazar to give any more than he has possibly given to this team through 75 games or whatever number of games he's played. <coughs> Curtis Lazar has not been an issue to this team, but what is he going to command on the contract as an unrestricted free agent versus Oscar Steen? So you have to decide, is Steen the better option price-wise over Lazar? That's Lazar is going to top out at $2 million. Top out. I think he'll make somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million, but I think yeah. it tops out at 2 million. So that likely means he's gone. So Steen will have a spot on the team as either fourth line right wing or 13th forward. Okay. So now you've got Stadnika there. They can also carry Stadnika, who could be the 12th or 13th forward. So they've got room to carry two forwards. So waivers is not an issue. Um, but then you have to decide what to do with Anton Bleed. And for my money, and I know we all like Anton Bleed, but I'm keeping Curtis, I'm sorry, I'm keeping Oscar Steen and Jack Stadnika before I'm keeping Anton Bleed. Yeah, that's a Agreed. valid point. I mean, Bleed provides a certain <laughs> aspect of the game that, you know, um, I kind of think that you can get with Oscar Steen, and I know that it's left shot, right shot, and so on. But um, and and going back to the Lazar thing, when he's up for a contract, the Bruins traditionally don't want to pay over a certain dollar value uh, when it comes to those fourth line players. We've seen the departures of um, of uh, Nolachari uh, in the Schaller from back in the day. Those are casualties of the cap, basically, because they you know they want to start to get in some of these um, entry-level numbers and lower uh, salary cap numbers just to facilitate that fourth line and, mm -hmm. and ultimately have enough cap space to, you know, to work with to address needs above as well. So the, the, the whole cap thing is, a, is amazing to figure out. And I know, Dom, that you're fully on top of that stuff, which is, uh, you know, that's why I follow you and, and, and trust uh, a lot of the things that you say because you get that from the Puckpedias and the cap friendlies and so on. But <clears throat> um yeah fourth liners they have a shelf life especially here in boston um the, you know they they're interchangeable they get worked around moved around once one excels <clears throat> enough to where they can get a pretty decent payday they're getting that payday elsewhere um i, I like anton bleed a lot as you were saying my preferred fourth line for next year would be bleed no and steen 
I think that would be the one that I'd want to see. But with Nick Foligno here, not knowing what's going to be going on, um, I, I think Nick Foligno's spot is going to be probably on that fourth line again, unless he does something absolutely insane in the playoffs. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's like, okay, yeah, we can have this guy on our third line playing with a Charlie Coyle and a Craig Smith for next season. And, um, you know, that would, that's best case scenario, in my opinion, you know, you, cause you know, it's more than just the production and the defensive abilities. It's, you know, all the, all the intangibles that comes with them. But when it comes to Steen, I agree with everything Dom said. Um, I love the player. I think this player also, when you look at it, I think this player could be a good middle six plug in your lineup at some point, maybe not next season, but we'll see how next season goes. But I think he could end up maybe being able to be a second line player at some point. I think he's got the skill. I think he's got the work ethic. I think it's all there. He just needs to put it together. And um, I'd like to see that come to fruition, but if not, you have a really good bottom six guy there. So I'm really happy with it. I think it's what 800 K AAV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. And he's a versatile forward. He could play the sign-up position too, as, as well as the right mm-hmm. side. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think he's getting in on center on, on this team. Not with the depth, he's, yeah. He, he, he's just got way too many guys to jump over now. Um, uh, even second line on this team is going to be a near impossibility with, with Lysel uh, breathing down. Uh, the NHL neck in the next year or two. Um, I, I think his best shot is for for any length of time in Boston would be third line right wing. Yep, I agree. That's valid. Um, all right, moving on to the next topic. Uh, the Boston Bruins minor pro affiliates both secure spots in the upcoming postseason. AHL Providence for the eighth consecutive year and East Coast Hockey League Maine Mariners um, for the first time as a Boston affiliate. Uh, some exciting times right now. Let me go to the brand and throw up some uh, stuff. This is the AHL standings right now, and the Providence Bruins have secured a spot. Um, they have eight games remaining, and um, a really good season for them. Uh, this is first-year coach uh, Ryan Mujanel's uh, first time behind the bench of any uh, team in the American Hockey League. And I think he's done a fantastic job alongside Matt Thomas and Trent Whitfield. Um, and uh, even last night, the, uh, the, the the game that saw some um, some additions, uh, Johnny Beecher coming out of uh, the University of Michigan, uh, signed a, a, an ATO uh, last week. The uh, entry-level contract discussion seems to be uh, still going on, but he did get into the Providence Bruins game last night. Got four shots on goal in a three to two. Vi- uh, I'm sorry, a three to two victory by- via the shootout. And um, Georgi Merkulov um, was also in the game, and he had two unbelievable saucy passes um, to to players for goals. And what a pair of hands! What speed! And even his shootout goal was just unfreaking believable. Uh, as a freshman out of Ohio State, signed a pro deal with the Boston Bruins, entry level deal um, recently. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, Brandon Boosie, the uh, goaltender, signed out of, um, is it Western Michigan? I think it was. Boosie. 
Yeah. And uh, he got into his first pro game, stopping 28 of 30 shots last night, which was uh, very entertaining. <clears throat> um, so um, any thoughts on the new additions and the postseason that the uh, the minor pros are about to experience? I uh, I practiced my Russian for this. <laughs> OK. I, and I, I I practiced it a lot. Georgi Merkulov. <laughs> I love it. I feel like I'm about to get whacked. I really do. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. I had to call a friend who spoke Russian, and he had me repeat it a hundred times till I got it right. So I said, but I said, do Russians actually, actually roll the tongue like that? And he said, yes, they do. So I have an advantage because I'm European. Um, look. He reminds me a lot of uh, a former Russian that the Bruins drafted many years ago. I won't name any names. There's no doubt the skill, the vision, uh, the the shot, everything is there. Uh, to me now, it's – and I, I know it's only been one game, and I'm not basing this on one game, is where does he fit in the Bruins – depth chart now when it comes to prospects. And I'm going to suggest this. You can go Lysel, Lori, or Lori, Lysel, one or two. Um, I've seen people debate it both ways, and there's an argument that can be made uh, both ways. But to me, Merkulov automatically becomes their number three prospect. Hmm. Definitely their 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 best center prospect prospect when it comes to offensive ability. <clears throat> I might even suggest that he probably has higher goal scoring upside than Lysel does. Wow. Uh, Lysel may be the better playmaker, but Mark, you suggested those two setups yesterday and you think like, wow. It's it's that close. So you've you've already got Swayman and Net. You've got a young Charlie McAvoy. You've got a young David Pasternak. <coughs> you you've got a young Fabian Lysel coming uh, as another forward. You've got a young Mason Lori coming as another uh, top notch defenseman when you've already got Lindholm and McAvoy locked up for the next eight years. Um, and then Carlo for six or five. Yeah. And then you add this guy who he tops out as a very good second line center, but he may have first line center upside but it's like a be, David Krejci almost. Right. He would be a low-end number one center, but a high-end second-line center. Make sense there? Yeah. So, <clears throat> what does that mean? Um, it means guys like Brett Harrison get pushed down a notch. Jack Stadnika get pushed down a notch. Um, McLaughlin. McLaughlin gets pushed down a notch. Uh Johnny Beecher gets pushed down a notch. And it probably means that Trent Frederick will never see center ice position on this team. Yeah. So 
it's a it's a, it's a good problem to have, but I just think he's that good that he instantly becomes Boston's third prospect. Now, I get the fans are upset that we're always trading away first round draft picks, but and you guys have heard me talk about this plenty of times. There's no other team as successful as the Boston Bruins when it comes to NCAA free agent signings and that go on to have success. So they, they've done a fabulous job this year, a fabulous job in, in replenishing the cupboard space without draft capital. Yep. I, I mean, and now when you look at what the future of this lineup could be, I mean, let's say, let's say he ends up taking over that low end first line center because he's flanked by, you know, guys like, you know, Pasternak and, um, you know, maybe a guy like, um, you know, well, I don't know if Martian would still be there or not. I don't even know if Hall would still be there or not. So who knows who the hell will be on the left at this point. But um, and then going down the middle, you can have Harrison, McLaughlin, maybe Stunika or Beecher. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like it's like it's almost like there's a future log jam, a future log jam there. I don't want to see a log jam yet because you haven't seen any success at the NHL level for a lot of these guys, except for maybe like a McLaughlin who's, you know, really come out. Um, Stunnika, I haven't really seen much of um, in Stunnika's game that really wows me at the NHL level still. Um, you could have a decent future here at center better than people think, you know, if, if guys like Harrison and, you know, this other guy here can pan out. I mean, it's very interesting. Yep. And then Mantakivi, who we haven't even, who I haven't even spoke, uh, failed to speak of. I mean, you have him too. It's, it's, um, it's going to be wild. Yeah. The depth definitely getting, um, getting stronger. Like, like Dom said, the prospect pool is getting more and more replenished as we, as we move forward. And, uh, and it's, it's getting done by some NCAA prospects that, uh, you know, that the scouting staff has just done an amazing job to coordinate these, uh, these, these additions. So, um, you know, it's not all doom and gloom when it comes to the scouting staff and so on. They, they do know what they're talking about, regardless of past, you know, uh, failures per se uh by the uh you know 2015 i hate bringing that up but still it's just you know not everybody's gonna draft perfectly it's it drafting is a roll of the dice you never know what you're gonna get um that, that's that's why i'm okay with trading draft picks mark because you now take that trade um and you know where they gave up the first and two seconds uh and John Moore to to bring in Lindholm, um, and uh, what was the defenseman's name? Who's never going to see another contract, and he doesn't matter. But you add, you now add Merkulov to that, as because let's face it, if they didn't have that draft, if they had that draft pick, would they really push hard to bring this kid in? Um, so he's part of that equation. That's why I have because of their ability to bring these guys in when other teams have tried and the the Bruins' success rate with them. That I don't care what draft picks they 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 trade away. Give me these give me these free agents that that you're able to get for nothing while also improving the the roster right now. 
You know, it's funny, Dom, when you say that and you really start to sit there and think about it. You got a legitimate top pairing defenseman in Lindholm. Right. And then you and then you went out and you got this kid who has serious um, top six center potential. And that's right. something you probably were going to look at getting with your first round pick anyways this right. this year. So now you have two things opposed to one. Genius. Sweenius. Hashtag Sweenius. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, to wrap up this uh, this topic, I just want to mention that the uh, the Providence Bruins are currently on a three-game winning streak in 6-3-1 and one in the last 10. As of this morning's AHL playoff primer on the official AHL website, the top minor pro affiliate of the NHL Boston Bruins would play the Bridgeport Sound Tigers in the um, in the best of three first round series of the call the playoffs. Uh, the Providence has eight games remaining, uh, which uh, uh, starts tonight at five o'clock against the Hershey Bears. Um, so that whole playoff primer always changes on a daily basis. But as of right now, that's who they'd play. Um, the East Coast, the ECHL, I got to stop calling it the full name because that's not correct anymore. But the main Mariners also secured a spot in the uh, North Division in the uh, ECHL playoffs, which is really cool. First year for the uh, the Bruins Double uh, A affiliate, so um, congratulations to um, them and uh, and it, what a great organization! I've been up there and covering a, a game, and it was awesome. Um, and I can't remember the uh, the coach's name. I'm such a jerk! I didn't freaking remember that. But he's done a, a Ben Gite, Ben Gite, former um, University of Maine player, University of Maine coach under uh, Red Gendron. And um, and obviously had time to see Jeremy Swayman and and, um, and some other players that we currently have on the in the roster. But um, uh, the uh, main Mariners finished in the fourth spot in the uh, ECHL North Division uh, with a 31, 33, 31, 5 and 3, 74 point season. A really good uh, home uh, record at, at the Cross Insurance Arena in Portland, Maine, 21, 13, 1 and 1. So yeah, good on them, and and you know it's it's nice to see all levels of this Boston Bruins organization in the postseason. Yeah, it just really tells you uh, what the coaching staffs really uh, grinded out to um, you know have have success in the uh, in the second seasons. Agreed. Yeah. All right, so let's take a break. Let's hear from the amazing Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some awesome stuff uh, for sale, hand signed items. So. Uh, check it out. Uh, follow him on the Facebook and uh, just listen to the details coming up and we'll talk on the other side. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. We are proud to have hosted Bruins legendary enforcer Stan Jonathan. Score with a black Jonathan JSA authenticated jersey with Big Bad Bruins inscription for just $79 delivered. Or take home a Reggie Lemelin black or white Bruins jersey with two inscriptions and JSA for just $79 or a Lemelin JSA puck or photo for just $34. On April 24th, we've got Jerry Cheevers and Miracle on Ice gold medalist Dave Christian. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, 
or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, we are back talking Boston Bruins hockey. We just heard the amazing Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, and he's got some fantastic stuff, like he said. Go, but go check him out and uh, spice up that fan cave because it looks like you need it. Um, moving on to another topic that I find kind of interesting, and I, I want to get your perspective, Dom, because I know you've had a long history with this certain player, uh, but the emergence of Boston Bruins undrafted prospect Mark McLaughlin has seemingly put prospect Jack Stanika lower in the pecking order, as we talked about earlier. What's to become of Jack in his last year of his entry-level deal is – do you see him um, um, getting a, a, an extension or do you see him moving on? Because it seems like he's just kind of been uh, moved out of the uh, the whole scene when it comes up to call-ups and talent needed. Oh, yeah, without question. I think he's, he gets an extension. Now, what he does with that is, you know, is up to him. But let's put it this way. They extended Jackson Nishin twice. Uh, why would they not extend Jacks to Nika? Uh, here, here's the issue I have. Uh, now, Jack comes out of the CHL and at age 20 turns, goes to the American Hockey League. As fans, we don't give the same benefit of the doubt to those CHL players that we do NCAA players that show up at age 22 or 23. Okay. Um, for instance, McLaughlin turns 23 in June, I believe. Uh, Stanika turned 23 in February. So they're five five months apart. Okay. Um, now, Jack has, has had time to percolate in, in professional hockey for a few seasons. But um, what we're seeing in McLaughlin is not a not a finished product. And I know everybody's all hyped about the three goals in seven games, but McLaughlin spending a year in the AHL will do nothing but good for him and good for the organization moving forward. But as I said, we're too quick to write up off um, the CHL guy because he's, he's had time in the AHL. But maturity-wise, he's not at the same level as these NCAA guys coming in now. So uh, I, ha- I have to get that out of the way because th- that's the comparison people are making and we're forgetting the age. The age when, when these NCAA guys come in, they're matured. They're about as mature as they're going to get. It's not the same with the CHL guys. J- Jakob Zaborl is a perfect example. Uh, how, how much time did he spend in the American Hockey League um, where he didn't look like he was going to make it, and all of a sudden, bam, this year, here he is. Yep, all three years of his entry-level deal. Yeah, three years, and, and then uh, the second year of his current deal before yep. it really clicked for him, right? <laughs> so I'm not writing Jack Stanika off uh, by no means, and I would – Caution fans to to do the same and think about that when we're when we're trying to co- 
compare these players because there is a huge difference between them. A huge, yeah. huge difference. So, um, yeah, he'll get an extension, but like I said earlier, he's been bumped down the pegging order with Merkulov coming in. Um, how McLaughlin affects him, Stanika, that is, remains to be seen because McLaughlin has some developing he has to do yet. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I I brought this topic on for is because I wanted to um, to dovetail a little bit on what uh, Billy Jaffe and Andrew Raycroft were talking about McLaughlin and uh, you know Mark's getting minimal minutes when in in his games, but he's making the best out of those minutes and and Billy Jaffe really brought this to my attention when he was talking about. You know, if he's getting seven minutes, every time he goes out in the ice, he's doing something really positive. Where a player like Jack Sidnika, we we've always talked about as fans of giving him more time and trust in the lineup, which he seems to be not grasping a hold of. And I found that I found that very interesting when they were talking about that. And you can actually see it in his play, and obviously see it how Jack plays as well. So I mean, I, I just love that podcast too, and and. You know, they really bring a lot of the things to light. That's the morning brew. We find it on all platforms. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, I love listening to listening to them because um, you get you get a, a perspective of somebody who covers the league and somebody who has actually played in the league. But you know, um, McLaughlin got what. 10 minutes of ice time, if that, yesterday, barely saw the ice in the third period. Um, You know, talk to me when he can play 16 minutes. Like I said, a year in the AHL will do him good. And Mm -hmm. uh, just like the time in the AHL has done Jack Stadnika good till now. now. Jack now has to show he can do it at the NHL level and, um, you know, McLaughlin has to show that he has to be able to bring it to that next level by playing in the AHL and then do it in the at the NHL level again. Yep. I'm fine with the three goals in seven games, but that pace is not going to keep up for him. It's just that's not. true. That's true. And when you talk about McLaughlin in a solid full, a full season in the American Hockey League, would benefit the player and the organization. I go back to Jack, um, uh, Jake DeBrusque. When he when he mm-hmm. had a you know he had a solid AHL year nothing that really explosive but I all always kind of gravitate this narrative to I don't think Jake DeBrusque would have had a 27 year rookie season if he didn't spend time in the American Hockey League under uh, Jay Leach and and um Jesus was Cassidy was Cassidy coach back then yeah of Providence yeah so. You know, um, I think that it was so beneficial to Jake to get that one year in the minor pros and then obviously come in and just play well, post-27 goals. So. Yeah, hold on. I don't think Cassidy was coach because he was assistant coach under Claude for one year. Yeah, yeah. I got a little confused there for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, you know, it's it, I, I – I always like to give these Boston Bruins prospect just at least some time in the American Hockey League just to get the systems down because it is different from the NCAA, your CHLs, and your Euro Hockey. It's 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 something that it has to be inbred on 
on how we teach our our youth on how we do things. And, and if that needs a full season in the American Hockey League, regardless of where you picked, I think it's just going to be beneficial moving forward. Exactly. I refer yeah. to it as as the old Detroit Red Wings model where they used to leave players in, in the AHL for as long as possible. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that's where the Bruins are trending towards. It's why they're signing these guys now to, to American or American amateur tryout agreements and letting their their entry level contracts kick in next year to get them to taste now and then to go full steam ahead next year. And and um I I know somebody looks at the highlight and they say, Hey, any chance he could play for the Bruins in the playoffs is like no, these these guys aren't brought in to play in the playoffs right now. They're not. Merkulov is not here to play in the playoffs for the Boston Bruins in 2022. Neither is John Beecher. They're here to develop. It's I, you know, we get too excited and too hyper watching highlights and really don't think about um, what's best for the team and what's best for the player. Exactly. And uh, you know, moving on to the next topic is a uh, is an exciting player, 2021 first round pick, uh, Fabian Lysel and his WHL Vancouver Giants barely squeaked into the 2022 postseason, and will meet the Everett Silvertip starting this Friday night in Everett. Here is how everything panned out for the WHL standings, and um, where the Vancouver Giants uh, they secured the eighth position. And um, not a very great, good season, but it was for these young men, it was a good developmental year for their age and so on, especially Boston Bruins prospect Fabian Lysel, who who had a um, sneakingly good year himself in his first um, um, year of uh, North American hockey. Uh, he appeared in 53 games, uh, posted 22 goals, 40 assists, 62 points. Five power play goals, one shorthanded goal, 177 shots on net. And in his last 10 games, he had two goals, nine assists, 11 points. So um, Everett Everett is ranked, obviously, higher and a very good team. Uh, so we'll see how long uh, Fabian Lysel lasts in the WHL playoffs for his Giants. But still, it's good on the organization to secure that final spot because – yeah, um, it, it was it was really down to the wire in the uh, WHL standings. I mean, uh, they were just you know a win here, a loss there, and uh, you know basically relying on other teams to uh, to do well in in their uh, respective games, which ultimately got the uh, the Giants into the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be a good experience for Fabian too. You know, yeah. he has to, got to see some uh, regular season games uh, in North America as a rookie. And then you're going to see the intensity of a WHL playoff series against a very good Everett Silver Tips team. And um, and who knows where he goes from there. I don't see any expectations of, of him making the Boston Bruins this year. Uh, there's a lot of crazy folk out there that believe he's a, a better option than Jake DeBrusk. But um, sorry, I'm going to disagree on that one. Um, but, um, you know, who knows if uh, Providence is it. Do you know if he'd be el- eligible for Providence playoffs? Yeah. Yes, he would. Here's okay. <clears throat> the rule. The rule as written is like this: any player that is previously drafted 
signed, pre-signed, or signs now is eligible to play in the in the American Hockey League playoffs. So okay. Lysel fits all the categories. He he was drafted. Uh, he was signed under a contract, so he's he's eligible to play. Um, for example, um, Brett Harrison, for instance, if he if Oshawa gets knocked out, he can't go play in Providence unless he signs uh, his entry level contract first. Actually, he could sh- sign an amateur tryout agreement as well and then go play. But until he does that, he cannot. But if he does, he can play for, for, for Providence in the playoffs. Remember a few years ago, they did exactly that with Jack Stavnika. They brought him in just, I, I think he played one regular season game and then all, all of the playoffs. Kyle Kaiser signed as a free agent and played one game uh, that season. I believe it was game seven in the playoffs. He went in as, uh, I forget who was injured at the time when he got the start in game seven or game six. Yeah. It was an elimination game anyway. So Yeah, it was against Charlotte. Yeah, so th- that's the deal with CHL players. Um, uh, so Lysel can... I know a lot of the comments that you're getting, Mark, about um, playing in Boston have to do with um, Sweeney. I think it was Sweeney. Maybe it was Cassie, but I'm pretty sure it was was Sweeney. Yeah, it was Sweeney. Said that, like, Boston's an option. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it just opened up a big door for a lot of speculation from the fans, you know, saying that, oh, there is a possibility. Let's get it in. And they... A lot of fans, you know, it, there are very intelligent Boston Bruins fans, and they're just ones that look at a stat line and just say, we need that guy. And But not having complete blinders on the difference between leagues. You really just can't throw a kid in there at his yeah. age and expect huge results that he put up in the WHL. There's an adjustment period. There's 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 going to be times of failure, and and those times are the ones that fans beat on players the hardest because, you, oh, you drafted this player. He did good in this such league, but you bring him here and he's crap. It's like no, you need time to adjust and 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 you know, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's hard just to look at somebody and say, hey, you got sixty two points in fifty three games. You're an automatic fit on in the NHL roster. Yeah, but they're on the on the other on the other hand, Mark, there are people that are disappointed in his production, uh, thinking, "Well, you know, he should have been able to do better than that." Well, no, it's, it's like his first time in North America. Um, there's a lot of ice off, ice, off ice uh, differences in his way of life that he had to deal with that he just never experienced before. I mean. Um, Looking at his stats, he's about where I pegged him to be. I had him pegged at uh, around 1.2 points per game, and I would have been satisfied with that. I think the one that really, really stands out to me is, well, two numbers with him. He's a plus 10 on a terrible team and the 52 penalty minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know where they came from, but, um, you know, 
there's a sign of a kid that's willing to stick up for himself and and not be pushed around. So um, though those those two numbers really uh, really surprised me oh, more than the stats because I'm I'm fine where where the the point production is absolutely. And uh, and to wrap up the talk about Fabian Lysel and the WHL Vancouver Giants. This is the schedule right here for the YouTube viewers. You can see this. Game one is Friday, April 22nd at Everett. Game two is Saturday, April 23rd at Everett. Uh, Game three, Wednesday, April 27th at Vancouver. Game four, Friday, April 29th at Vancouver. And then all of a sudden it goes, if necessary, games from the 30th uh, to May 4th. And uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with him. Um, and uh, whenever he comes to the American Hockey League Providence Bruins. Um, jumping to another, keeping the prospect thing going, um, the, o, the OHL uh, uh, coming down to the final games of the season. This is the schedule that remains. Um, Sarnia Sting, I still have a game left, and so does Oshawa. Uh, so Brett Harrison from Oshawa will get into a game, and that's uh, this afternoon. Uh, at 2 p.m., going to watch that game. And uh, Sarnia, um, unfortunately, doesn't look like they're going to be in the postseason. Is that correct, Dom? I got the standings right here, bud. I, I think they'll make it, uh, and I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, let's go to Harrison. They're locked in. Uh, today's game doesn't matter. Uh, they're playing Kingston in the first round. I think okay. no, nothing can change there. Um Sarnia is at London today, and they've actually played the London Knights very, very well all season. I believe they've won more than they lost against against the Knights. And uh, Erie is playing, uh, I'm pretty sure, this uh, this afternoon, right? Um, Erie and Hamilton, yeah. Yep. So at 2, at 2 o'clock. So Hamilton is the top team in the country. Whether Hamilton decides to sit a bunch of their players and rest them, who knows? Uh, I mean, this isn't the NHL, so I doubt we're going to see a bunch of them fit. Um, so Erie has the tougher matchup. But interesting scenario. This, this could come down to a one-game tiebreaker or a one-game play-in because in the CHL, uh, positions one through seven are determined by the tie-breaking rule. If eight places a tie, they don't use the tie-breaking rule. They actually play a play-in game. So whoever's in eighth place and ninth place, um, the, the team that would actually hold the tie-breaker would get home ice advantage. So, for example, if... Sarnia were to lose in overtime or a shootout today to London, and Erie was to win in any fashion against Hamilton, whether it be shootout, overtime, regulation, whatever, they'd be tied for points. And then we would have one game play in on Tuesday. So personally, I would love to see that. Um uh, because there's nothing more exciting than a than a one game winner take all uh, type of thing. So um, I'm going to be glued to monitors here watching uh, 
both those games and, and see what happens. But uh, I expect that Sarnia will find a way to to get in. And with that being said, what are your thoughts on defenseman Ryan Mast, who's a Boston Bruins prospect thus far in um, in an up-and-down season? Uh, I mean, I've seen a bunch of his games too, and it, you see some some good things and see some things that he needs to work on, but that's all a part about development and um you know he's a big kid, good kid, and a smart kid, and and you know he's got some he's got a good vision of the ice and so on, and a good defensive style game when it, when he's not so uh, jumping on the offense. But what are your thoughts on him this season? Well, it's it's funny because I was watching the game last week. Yeah, the the team they're fighting with for for a playoff spot, and Sarnia won it, and uh, a skirmish started towards. Uh, or right at the final buzzard and and mast was standing in front of his own net and this was out towards center ice and both teams were coming onto the ice because it was the end of the game so everybody was getting involved and mass skated out there and put himself between the otters and his teammates and basically shooed his teammates to the dressing room and kept himself between the otters and his teammates and did not leave to the ice, leave the ice until the last of his teammates is actually have had actually left the ice surface. So uh, it speaks to his leadership and, and um, the type of player he is and, and his, his character and his willingness to stick up for his teammates. <coughs> um, that said, um, I've seen him where he's played upwards 30 minutes a game, you know, in, in a complete shutdown role. I've seen him where he was entrusted with more of an offensive role. I still don't know what his offensive upside is, but I will tell you with, um, where is he here? Nine goals, 22 assists, 31 points in 58 games. Um, I honestly didn't expect that this year. Right. So it, it was a surprise, um, a big surprise. So we'll see. He's got another another year in Sarnia. We'll see what happens next year. The Bruins aren't in a hurry to sign him. There's no need to. They can wait till June 1st of uh, 2023 before he has to sign his contract. So let's see what happens. Um, but uh, – I'm happy with the way his season has gone and, and in some cases surprised, especially for yeah. a guy who didn't play all of last year. Right. Yep. Yep. And um, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he guys, no, he didn't play at all. No, no that's right. He, he was, he wasn't like <laughs> Brett Harrison that went over to, uh, to Finland and played. Right. So yeah, that's a, that's and, a good and one. And people forget, I know, I know the majority of, of, the listeners are are probably American here, but Ryan Mast is an American. Yep. He's not a Canadian. He's um, I heard him speak to this a couple of weeks ago that uh, his intention was to go to the NCAA. That was his his first choice. But uh, when Sargent came calling and said, you know, what are the chances that you would come and play if we pick you in the draft? And it opened his eyes because it was close enough for his family to 
uh, jump across the border and go watch him play, uh, being that he's from his parents are in Michigan, right? Um, that that that's when it really started to cross his mind about about joining the Ontario Hockey League. Now, on a development prospect. <clears throat> And not not USA versus Canada. We, we I, I deal a lot with uh, with folks about that. You know the USHL and the CHL, and um, so with the decision of Ryan Mast going to Sarnia and doing the CHL route, do you think it was better for his development because it's a not saying a better league, but maybe he get he gets more out of that placement in Canada than he would in the NCAA. Um. You'll never catch me saying one going one way is better than the other way because it it depends on the individual player and the circumstances that they are in, <coughs> um, the situation that they are going into, um, so on and so forth. There's a, a lot to it. So, um for example, I have said now for a couple of years that the USHL is the best development league in the world. And to me, it is. But the USHL is not a development league in the same way that the Canadian Hockey League or the NCAA is. Right. The USHL develops players for the NCAA first and then the NHL. Yeah. Whereas the CHL basically develops players for the NHL, and so does the the NCAA. Who does a better job uh, for for what their league is supposed to do? And that, to me, is the United States Hockey League. That doesn't that doesn't mean that they're better, right? Or that it's the right choice for every individual player because it's not. Um. um Connor McDavid, for instance, was, you know, this close to going the NCAA route as opposed to the Ontario Hockey League. Um, when when you're talking an elite talent like that, it 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 doesn't make a difference. But for a, a player like Ryan Mast, who, well, to put it bluntly, had a lot of development to do, I think the OHL was a. a a good choice for him because he 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 got to start there because of his birth date as a, a very late 15 year old uh, who turned 16 through the season. So he got in there young, um, and you know missed the season and and now is a leader on that team. Now that wouldn't have happened in the NCAA for him. That's not to say it would. It's the right. It was the right choice for, let's say, Brett Harrison or somebody else to 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 go the OHL route as opposed to the the NCAA route. You got to remember to to go the NCAA route. You've got to be able. First of all, you've got to find a school that's willing to give you a scholarship. Uh, you've got to find someplace else to play while. You wait for that scholarship to click in, and you really only have a few options, the NAHL in the States or the USHL or Junior A Tier 2 Hockey in Canada. Other than that, you're limited as, as to where you can go play. So 
it depends on each individual player, the circumstances that they are in, and um, it's different for everybody. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, prospects, um, and this is one I just thought of and added on because it is relevant. It is you know relevant news. French um, prospect Mason Lowry has decided to go back to school for another year at Ohio State, and um, I think this is a great move for the young man. He's 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 really um, developing on a re- on a really good developmental path, I believe, and. Uh, I was kind of hoping that he was going to sign out of uh, OSU this year and join the Providence Bruins. But when you look at it, I, I kind of shot from the hip on that one, too. When you look at the lineup, there's a lot of left shot defensemen in Providence right now. Yeah. And the I don't think the addition would be suitable for him there. But um, another year at OSU is, is going to be good for the player and the uh, and the organization and, and possibly – um, you know, when he's done next season and his commitment with the Big Ten hockey, that there might be some more spots available for him to be comfortably set into his first year of minor pro hockey. But uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, on him going back to school? Because I know we've all paid real big attention to this player and we know his potential. But uh, is it is it is it a little premature to say that he was he's absolutely ready now or? Or for him personally to say, no, I need things to work on. No, I, I don't. I don't think he was ready, um, and I don't believe the Bruins thought he was ready. I do believe that the Bruins talked to him and said, "Look, we'd like you to spend another year in college, um, but if you want to turn pro, we'll sign you to your college." I mean, at, at this point. If he wanted to turn pro, the Bruins wouldn't have had much of a choice. Um, but I, I, I think that um, you know they talked to him. Uh, let's not forget, Brett Harkins spent a lot of time at Bruins NCAA scout, uh, not only Ohio State but the rest of the country. And um, I, I think he got a good grasp and a good read as to where Lorai was and is. And um, and that they felt, you know, another year in school was the was the best thing for him. But uh, I think if if Lori was adamant that he wanted to turn pro, they weren't going to say no. Right. Yeah. I mean, you basically put in the decision on the player at that point, yeah. you know, and it's not derived by by um, by management saying we need you now and this and that. It's just you know where do you feel you are in your development. Yeah. And and obviously this was a good a good choice to come back. And the Bruins have been all over Ohio State a lot lately, uh, especially this year, uh, with signing players. Um, Grant Gabriel was that the one you were thinking about that probably won't uh, get another contract? No, no, no. The the okay. one that they traded from uh, they got um, from uh, Anaheim. Okay, all right, yeah. But uh, yeah, they've been all around um, getting signings, and you know, Merkulov and so on. Are just, are just really good, good pieces uh, in the developmental pool that you know we're seeing when when scouts are out there to to, to look at uh, Lowry and his progression in the NCAA as a freshman and um, going into his, his sophomore year. So you know, if you're out there and you're looking at one guy and you happen to see another guy, you cannot you know 
you know, not say anything about what goes on elsewhere on the ice and who's and who it stands out to you because you know you you have reports to come back to the Bruins management and say this is what we feel about Lowry right now. But guess what? Look at this guy. I mean, keep a tabs on on this certain player because he's got he fits a lot. It checks a lot of the boxes when you when you want to replenish that prospect pool and and obviously. Georgie was um was a you know a, a really sneakingly good NCAA undrafted signing. Well, I I think the Bruins remember him from the USHL as well. I, I it's Youngstown Phantoms. Yeah, I I mean you got to give credit to Harkins, um, uh, Scotty Fitzgerald, even Ryan Nadeau, uh, for for. I, I don't know who would have done the legwork to get Merkulov to, to sign, but I imagine that um, those three were probably involved uh, in one way or the other, uh, simply because they've, they've seen the most of them and um, they know what the player is all about. So. All right. I think that is going to do it. I know Kevin couldn't join us for the, uh, the second half of this program. Um, he's got bubbles. some business bubbles. Yeah. Some bubbles has got some business going on. The guy works his ass off and a lot of things going on right now. So that being said, um, let's go to and talk about our Patreon winner this week. And if you want to be a part of the, uh, the Patreon that we do have, we ask that you please donate $1 per episode. We do about four episodes to five, maybe six. So it's a very small investment per month, uh, but you can get in on some fantastic prizes like signed pucks and hand signed jerseys, um, which I, I do have right now. And we're going to be giving this one away. This Jerry Chief is one away next week to a lucky winner who donated a dollar, but please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and um, help us out, help us pay the bills. But uh, this week, the uh, weekly winner is Richard scary. So thank you, Richard, for your contributions. I appreciate it. I'll be signing you some uh, hand signed item, whether it be a photo or a puck uh, sometime this week. So again, thank you to everybody who uh, contributes financially, supports us by retweeting our program and uh, reading our blackandgoldhockey.com website stuff. We are looking for more podcasts on the network. If you want to talk Bruins with your family or friends or as an individual, we're also looking for more writers to join our team. So please um, send me an email at blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. So with that being said, Dom, thank you very much for joining me, my friend. And, and, it's really good to have you back in the fold again after uh, some uh, some health health issues going on, and uh, it's it's good to talk hockey with you again, buddy. And I can't wait to do it more consecutively as we uh, as we come down to the playoffs because uh, the Boston Bruins do have three games um, coming up this week, and and it's every other day. So I mean, you got St. Louis on Tuesday, uh, you got. The Pittsburgh Penguins on Thursday, the Rangers game, which I'm going to shout out um, uh, Boosie and and Jared and Thomas, uh, Black and Gold Productions uh, Network podcast network members. We're all going to be there, and um, so it's going to be interesting coming down to the stretch here because the uh, there's only about seven games to go, Dom, and it's going to be a lot of fun. The first the first round is going to be a lot of fun. It's really going to be telling on where. 
this Boston Bruins team can go and how far they could, could possibly go. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait for – well, you know me. I'm all about playoff hockey. So, um, yeah. it, it's – you know, there there's a couple of weeks to go, but I can't wait. Uh, that first round is going to be – not just for the Bruins, for everybody. It's going to be murder. There's going to be some top-notch teams that are uh, – let, let's put it – what other sport can you watch – other than hockey, where you're going to have uh, top teams killing each other in the first round. None. It, it doesn't get any more exciting than than this. And uh, um, there's a reason why the best the, the first round is the best round of, of any playoff series. It's because it's so unpredictable. Anything can happen. Teams are going to be killing themselves. It, it's going to be do anything possible to get out of the first round and then hope to hell you come out of it in one piece so you can try and make a run because uh, I I don't ever remember it. And I've been watching hockey since like 1965. So uh, I go back a long way. I do not remember a playoff that uh, is going to be as exciting as the first round this year. Absolutely. Um, but thanks for having me, Mark. I wasn't sure whether I was going to make it through uh, the whole thing. For those that don't know, I'm just getting over COVID. Uh, there was a really rough 30, 48 hours in there, but I'm on the mend. Looking forward to doing more of these and and talking some some more hockey, even if Bubbles does have to go answer the phone. And in closing, I'll do this for. I'll do this for Kevin because I know how much he'll ap- appreciate it. Georgi Merkulov. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, we'll end it on that. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening and, and, and sharing our program, the support, the interactions on Twitter, and so on. We truly appreciate it. Keep it up. And hit me up if you want to join the BNG team. But before that, with that being said, Have a great week. We'll talk next Wednesday, hopefully, and uh, peace out. Peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.